Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. I am Peter Englert, and I am here with my illustrious, very communicative host. Maybe well, that was, I could have gotten done something. I don't know. We'll take it. We'll today. take it there. Yeah. But our communications director from Browncroft, Aaron Mercer. We're here with our producer, Nathan Yoder. And we are here with a very special guest, Becky Harling. She is the author of two books on listening. Um, and the one is for parents listening to their kids. But this one, our question today is we are flipping the script and we are asking Becky, why won't my parents listen to me? So it's almost like we're cheating. We're trying to hear from the parents how their kids can li- or be heard a little bit more. What do you think, Aaron? I, I love this this question. Um, I'm really excited about this conversation. Thank you so much for being here with us. And yeah, no, I think it's a it's a great question for uh, on both ends, whether you flip it backwards or forwards. I'm a dad too, so I want to mm. make sure my you know mm. kids listen to me. I want to know know about that. But yeah, you know, the other way around too is always it was good to talk about too. So let's. I'm excited about it. Let's get in. Well, like I said, she's the author of the book, How to Listen So Your Kids Will Talk. So, Becky, we're friends. We'll probably talk more about that later. But why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Hey, it's great to be with you guys. So I I am an author and a speaker. But more importantly than that, I am the mother of four grown children. And the best part is I'm the grandmother to 14 littles. And that's amazing. And so I I love that I get to travel around the world and tell people about Jesus and, and teach and train parents. But I also love that I get to get down on the floor with my grandkids and play Legos and cars and babies and all that stuff stuff. Mm, wow. Wow. Well, and just to let you listeners know, we're brought to you by Browncroft Community Church. Becky and her husband, Steve, served on staff here. So this is kind of like a homecoming. Yeah. So we're just going to bring that into it. It really is. It is so great to be back at home at um, Browncroft. We just loved our ministry here. It's the place where we raised our kids. People were so good to us. We loved it. We're so glad that you're here with us, and uh, it's really a blessing to get to meet you. And I just want to ask a quick question before Peter dives in with like the official questions. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have like a favorite Lego creation you have to work on with your kids? Oh, you know, most of them are too hard for me. What I'm finding is my <laughs> grandsons are amazing at them, and now they're into these Technic. Have oh, you seen yeah. the Technic sets? Yeah. You know, and so there. I just bought one of them. Um, he's six for Theo. And it's the Technic Hovercraft, and I, it's definitely beyond my ability. So they will come alongside of me and help me. That's awesome. Yeah, my, <laughs> my sons are enjoying those also. So for our listeners, if you want a good challenge, you go to the Technic. Like yeah, that. right. Absolutely. Right. You know, you might listen better to your kids if you play with Legos too. Right. That's, Absolutely. You can hear how frustrated they get or, you know, all the things. <laughs> <laughs> all the things. Well, um, you know, before we talk about you as a parent, I think it's important to our listeners, why don't we talk about Becky as a child? Oh. What what was it like with your parents? Did part of writing this book bring up memories of how it was to be Becky at 19, 20, in the 30s and feel like, did my parents even listen to me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, going back, a lot of if if your listeners attend Browncroft, they probably don't know this about me. 
Um, you know, I grew up in a very dysfunctional home, very dysfunctional. And I really did not deal with that until my early 40s when Mm -hmm. I was walking through cancer. And so I had a father who was very well known in ministry, but also very abusive. And so I was sexually abused as a child, uh, along with others. And my mother struggled with mental illness. And so she was borderline personality disorder. And so we had this home that was massively chaotic, but it was looked perfect on the outside, you know? And so while my father would preach Jesus on Sunday and lead people to the Lord, there was all this abuse going on in the home. And I learned as a very little girl that it was very much safer for me to not say how I felt, you know, to not challenge, to not raise my voice. And so really when you are sexually abused as a child, your voice is taken away from you. Mm. You don't have a voice. And so uh, a simple illustration of this is in my home, my parents were allowed to get really angry. But if as kids we got angry, we were told, you know, that anger is not from God and, you know, all these different messages, which by the way, is not truth. Because if you read through the Bible, God gets pretty angry. Mm. I mean, there's the whole Sons of Korah incident where he opens the earth and swallows them up. And there's Jesus in the temple where he flips the tables. And, you know, we might have sent Jesus for anger management classes. And, And yet these were the types of messages I grew up with. And so as an adult, I knew I wanted to do it differently with my kids. And, but I also had to do a lot of internal work to get myself to a healthy whole place so that I could make changes in my parenting. You know, it it sounds like, and I want to be careful because not everybody comes from a situation like yours. I know. But it almost sounds like there's a perpetual, as a kid, you wish your parents would listen to you and you do your hardest not to become that parent, but somehow you become that parent that doesn't listen. Yeah, and you know, for those of us that did grow up in a home where your voice was silenced, the problem with that is then you come to adulthood and you really wanna be heard, which then poses a difficulty with your own kids. And and the other difficulty with me was I felt so out of control as a kid that when I became a parent, it was easy for me to think, I want control. I've got to get control here. You know, the kids are going ballistic or whatever. I got to gain control. But that's the wrong motivation because that's not what Jesus wants. He doesn't want us to be controlling our kids. Hmm. Well, so I, I, I want to ask, how do you re- resist the, the motivation to, to go there? But like, actually, before we get there, I'd really love to fill in some of the story here, too. So you, you told us about some about your childhood. Mm-hmm. How did you and then you, you had a, 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 a moment in your in your 40s yeah. um, when you were dealing with some of this. But kind of fill in for our listeners what happened in between there. How did you get from where you were to 
where you were then and then where you are now. I just, I'm, I just wonder if that will help fill in the, the connection for us on, on the broader theme of what we're talking about. Yeah, and so uh, probably the best decision I ever made was to marry Steve Hartling. <laughs> 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 he, he would like that I said that. But, you know, Steve was an independent thinker, and he saw how my parents were trying to control me. And he just began coaching me like, you know, you, you don't have to give in to them. But for my whole life, I had to give in to them, you know. And so that began to play out in our parenting because I was raised in this hyper strict home. Steve was raised in a boarding school primarily on the mission field. So when we started having kids, uh, Steve said to me, you know, we don't want to give our kids a lot of rules because they're going to want to break them. And that's the way Steve thinks. And so I said, okay, well, what will this look like? You know, and back in the day, everything was more about making your child obey, you know, they've got to obey you. Now, I don't want your listeners to get me wrong. You know, kids are supposed to obey their parents. However, Jesus was nicer to kids than most parents I've met, (laughs) right? Because Jesus said, you know, don't put a hindrance in front of them. Suffer the little ones to come unto me. And so, you know, there were different pivotal points in our parenting journey where I had to reanalyze. One of those stories was when our daughter, Steph, which, um, you know, it's fun to be back here at Browncroft because we were here when this happened. You know, Steph was a negotiator, you know, anybody have a negotiator out there? You know, <laughs> negotiators. Are, yeah, <laughs> negotiators are those tiny kids who are adorable, but they begin conversations with don't say no yet. You know, and then with Steph, I mean, from the time she was three, we would launch into these arguments, you know, and I just remember there was one week where she was four, I think, and we had just had a rough week. And I was trying to say, you've got to obey, <laughs> you know, and and she was saying, but you have to listen to me. And she was only four, you know, so we're having this battle. And I just remember going before the Lord saying, Lord, you've got to help me. And what I heard from the Lord went against everything I had ever heard before. The Lord spoke to me very clearly that morning and he said, give her a voice. Mm. And I remember thinking, I'm pretty sure she already has a voice. She's only four and she has all these opinions, you know. The Lord said, I want you to shape her voice, not silence her voice. And so I began to really ask the Lord, how does my parenting journey need to change so that my daughter feels heard and loved and listened to, you know, and part of that for me was learning how to release control. You know, that's, that's a powerful question, Aaron, and a powerful response, Becky. I I guess I I just kind of want to help these kids understand what a parent is going through. Mm -hmm. Because what you just said there was mostly about you. Mm -hmm. You know, you said, I need to release control. Yep. And... I think, and this is where you can kind of play both sides, Mm -hmm. Um, but there's another side that said, like, I can imagine a kid saying, my parents will never respect me. I'll always be six years old. How much of that, as you kind of go between the two worlds, how much of that is true now that you have perspective versus, is this something I need to deal with? Is this a perception I have with my kid? You know, help our kids understand that. Okay, so I'm going to 
say something which for parents is going to sound hard. I believe the responsibility starts with the parents. Mm. Um, And so, like, for example, like maybe two, three years ago, Steve and I sat down with all of our kids and their spouses, um, which our kids are all adults, and we said, okay, we want an honest conversation. You know, what did we do right? What did we do wrong? You can say anything. This is a safe place. And they did. They told us what we did right and what we did wrong. To a kid, the top answer of what we did right was apologize when we did wrong. Mm. So that's a lesson for parents. I think the responsibility is on you as parents. However, when you are in your 20s and your 30s, at some point in your journey, you have to take responsibility for who you want to be and who you want to become. And that means switching up a little bit and realizing, yeah, my parents made mistakes. My parents messed up. There were times where they silenced my voice, but now I'm an adult. I get to choose who I want to be moving forward. You know, I had to do this with my own parents. It's like, okay, I can't rely any longer on that excuse, but you silence my voice, you silence my voice, right? I had to take responsibility and say, who do I want to be as an adult moving forward? And how do I want the Lord to show through my life? And that meant sometimes I had to listen to my parents, even though I flat out disagreed with them, you know? one quick thing. I was yeah, like, sure. Uh, I just want to be be kind of careful because I, I think some of our listeners, very sensitive to yeah. abuse. How do you... Because you said, I need to take responsibility. Yeah. And I think that for some listeners, that could be code Yep. for, yep. you know, so how do you kind of see that? And you're obviously coming at a different spot than maybe some of our listeners would okay, be. Okay. I'm so glad you asked that, Peter, because first of all, if you're listening and you've been abused, that abuse was not your responsibility. That was evil. God doesn't sanction that. God, it really makes God mad. And so, and there will be, it was a long journey for healing for me, Mm -hmm. you know, and I went for counseling, you know, at the time that I started counseling, I was like, I'm a pastor's wife, right? I mean, pastor's wives don't go for counseling. And I remember a friend saying, where did you read that? I'm like, I didn't read it. It's in our code book somewhere. No pastor's wife goes for counseling, but I knew I had to. Okay. So let me say that. So abuse is not from God. You do need to follow through and get the help you need. When I say take responsibility for who you want to be, it's for who you want to be moving forward. Mm. Don't take responsibility for what happened to you in the past. And I confronted. Now, my father was dead by the time I remembered and really dealt with the abuse. But I did confront my mother and it did not go well. Um, Till the day she died, she was angry with me. However, I continued to have to say, okay, but I still need to take responsibility for who Becky is as an adult, Mm. you know, and moving forward. So that's what I mean by that. Does that clarify? It's super helpful. Aaron, you're, you're gracious. I I should listen better, but anyways. No, I think that was a really important (laughs) question. Um, yeah, so I'm, I am thinking, I guess a little bit more broadly from, from your conversation with your kids, you know, their adult children yeah. who probably, probably a number of them have children of their, well, you said you have a bunch of grandchildren. Yeah. Well, like, <clears> they all um, have kids. <laughs> also from your conversations with, with others that you have had, you know, over the years around the country, wherever you've been, um, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, 
when we're when we're taping this right now it's uh you know it's in the fall we've got the holidays are coming um and there's probably some people who um are listening to this thinking you know i'm one of those people who um you know it's i didn't have an abusive situation but maybe i was my voice was shut down maybe they're you know they're the youngest or the middle child or maybe the oldest who knows mm-hmm. but but when they go to that you know holiday meal <laughs> they know that they're not <laughs> going to have a great a, question yeah, right. so so how do they if they want to get to a place where they feel like they're being heard they're being listened to how do they even start by broaching that conversation you know <clears throat> holidays are interesting right because we love the holidays and yet i had a friend tell me yeah after every holiday i have to spend about a thousand dollars in therapy to get back <laughs> <on track." laughs> so <clears throat> you know the holidays you are with extended family and in our society today people are very polarized so in any family system you know um let me, is it okay if I touch on some of the hot topics of today? So go ahead. Within any family system, you know, you're going to have the pro-vaccinators and the anti-vaxxers. You're going to have liberal and conservative and a whole spectrum in between. And it can be very easy to enter a family system and adopt the role you were as a child. Okay, so what I would say to any adult going back into a family system is number one, set your mind first. Number one, your parents aren't going to agree with you on everything because different generations see things differently. So don't expect your parents to just view everything um, and make it a point as the young adult to listen to your parents. Now, when I say listen to your parents, I don't mean obey them or adopt their worldview or any of that. But rather than, you know, when you feel yourself getting triggered, like, oh, I just really want to prove my point, you know, ask, breathe, and then just ask a question, you know, help me understand why is that so important to you? Or um, how how did you come to that conclusion, you know? And I, I think when kids come to a family system like that, where they're adults, and they're staying calm, and they're asking questions, then a lot of times parents are going to start listening more to them. You know, what what often happens is kids are triggered or parents are triggered and it becomes a power battle and you can't let it go there because you're not in a power struggle with your parents. You know, you're an adult, they're adults. You may see things completely different. It shouldn't turn into a power struggle. Easier said sometimes than done. You know, this conversation gets me thinking. Yesterday, I was watching the Giants play the Rams football wise. And um, I, I usually enjoy Mark Schlereth. He's a former football player. Uh-huh. And there was a co host named Adam Amin. And I, I just, they call him Stink. He's kind of funny. But there was like twice that. So, first time he says something like this he goes, uh, You know that stick song? Oh, you were probably 12. And he says yes. this to Adam and Amin. And then he made some other comment about Adam's age. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, maybe I was triggered. So uh, I'll talk to my therapist wife about this. But (laughs) I was thinking about this quite, because I think as a kid, like sometimes, and this just isn't parents, so I'm talking to bosses. Yeah. Like I hear someone joke about my age and it's like you can't find anything else to give me feedback on except this is the one thing that you're gonna go up with so 
I kind of throw that out there because I can imagine the kid going into the holiday. It's like my parents are always going to tell me that they're 40 or 30 years older than me. Yeah. My parents. So I don't know. What, how would you respond to that? So I remember Steve and I dealt with that a lot, actually, because we graduated college and Steve became a lead pastor. Mm. Um, and so we were 21. I mean, and I there were people for ever telling us we were too young to be in ministry. You know, now I have to say, I kind of long for those days. <laughs> so what goes around comes around. You know, you get a little <laughs> older and you're like, oh, for the 20s and 30s. Anyway, but, uh, you know, Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on your youthfulness. And I, I think um, it's particularly in church world for whatever the reason, and there's two sides to this issue, right? The, so we don't want to throw away older people and their opinions or their views because they're the people, uh, you know, that God says have wisdom, you know, and you can have wisdom as a young person. And, but the two generations are supposed to be complementing each other and working together. So the older generation should not look down and think, oh, these kids, you know, all those, you know, there's so many millennial jokes right now, you know, right? Like millennials, you know, they're going to live in your basement forever. They're never going to get a job, you know, all the things. Well, that's really dishonoring of millennials. I believe the next great revival is going to come through the millennials, you know, and, and with the flip side of that is when the millennials are like, oh, the old people, they're always complaining about the music. You know, it's too loud. The drums are too loud. You know, all the things. And But God calls us into the body of Christ as generations, and there has to be mutual respect. And so, and I think from the angle of the young person going back into a family system, which is always challenging, um, ask God He's, he gives us the Holy Spirit for a reason. You know, he knew we couldn't do this on our own. And so we ask the Holy Spirit to make us people of wisdom, mm -hmm. whether we're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, or 80, always that prayer for wisdom in our conversations and in how we listen to others. Mm. So what, what, um, I, I think that's really great, <laughs> by the way, <laughs> uh, but I think so. Obviously, we is of course we need wisdom for sure. Um, I, I guess I'm wondering about even some practical. Um, do you have any? Let's go back to the holiday conversation. Yeah. All right. So let's say someone is sitting around. You know, um, I'm not sure when this airs a Thanksgiving conversation or a, a Christmas dinner or just Christmas party or whatever it is. Someone's back for the holidays to visit their family, um, and you could have a situation where there's one overpowering voice that mm -hmm. could be or it could be that they've just learned not to talk to each other that you know it's basically sitting around and having a meal together but not really talking mm -hmm. what's an icebreaker question what's a way to um you know if there's not a natural opportunity to say hey why do you think the way you do about that yeah what's what's an icebreaker what's a way to start that conversation so that you can actually form this relationship where you can start to build on it yeah i think some safe topics are like hobbies or vacations you know it never hurts to say hey what was your favorite memory from the last year you know what 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 did you do as a family that really brought you a lot of joy or or drawing people out like what's the hardest challenge you've faced in the last 3 months you know, we were just with a family member um, 
couple of weeks ago, and uh, it's not a close family member. And so uh, there was, we just really tried to break the ice by asking, you know, what did you enjoy doing over the last few months, you know, or just sticking with some safe topics. You know, when you haven't seen a person in six months, especially in today's day and age, you don't want to dive in with, well, what did you think about the election? Or, you know, I mean, there are certain topics you just stay away from, Which right? Which is what people usually, <laughs> uh, some people will dive in with right, that, right? But, Instead of, yeah. but you want to, you want to, you know, people skills are everything, right? So you want to ask them, you know, what's, hey, what do you do for fun around here? Or how have you relaxed in the last, um, you know, with COVID going on? You know, did you read any good books? I always love to ask people what they read because I'm a reader. So that's fun for me to know, you know, and really seeing the beauty in every person, even people that disagree with you, they're created in the image of God. And they, they bring perhaps a different perspective than you, but they're beautiful, you know, and really valuing them, you know? So Aaron asked the nice question. Okay. <laughs> so like, at what point do you throw the gauntlet down? Because in what way? So like not every battle's worth fighting. Right. But there, there comes a point where it's like, you know, you just crossed a line, you know? Okay. So first of all, like, with spiritual things, I don't think arguing ever helps. Mm-hmm. I think listening helps. I, you, you know, you're never going to change somebody's opinion. You know, if like um, somebody close to me was in uh, is in a friendship with people that think very differently than her about the whole vaccine thing, right? So we have people that are very polarized right now, for lack of a better term. But you're never going to change the other person's opinion. So it's not worth bringing up an argument, you know, just love them. And if the topic gets uncomfortable, change the topic, (laughs) you know, like how are your kids feeling about school or, you know, our kids are playing soccer, your kids in any sports or do they like curricular activities or tell me about your child's personality or, you know, whatever. But, you know, we aren't going to change another person's perspective. Steve was in a taxi cab in another part of the world and the taxi cab driver um, was a believer in Islam. So he was a Muslim believer and Steve asked him, they were talking on their way to the airport and Steve asked him a very profound question. He said, what do you wish we Christians knew about you Muslims? And it was such an interesting conversation because the guy said, you Christians always want to talk and tell us what to think, but you don't ask us what we think. Mm -hmm. You don't ask us about, you know, because Islam is cultural as well as spiritual for them. And, and so it it was a good corrective for us, you know, because you're not going to, so when you say throw down the gauntlet, I have to think about that for a minute because you don't want to throw down the gauntlet, you know because it will likely erupt in an argument and you're never going to change other people's opinions. That's the work of the spirit of God. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, let me throw one situation out. Okay. That will help me. Um, so obviously there's like political, there's oh, yeah. vaccines, but you know, I think this is kind of like a classic problem. Say I'm 25 and I'm dating someone and I bring her home to meet my parents. And this never happened by the way. So completely hypothetical mom and dad. So uh, <laughs> Robin's perfect. Uh, but anyways, um, 
bring him home and you know all of a sudden this comment comes up about my girlfriend not being a great cook oh yeah and it's just it kind of feels completely uncalled for maybe or yeah just and again i'm throwing out a wild thing like that or you know why why aren't you guys getting married soon enough like you guys are dating maybe that's a better example like something like that you know uh, steve and i went through that actually mm. i can say all this now because both my parents are dead but they didn't <laughs> <laughs> they really didn't like steve and that was really hard for us you know and, and that's a parenting decision i made when my kids got married i will love your spouse and i will likely defend them over you <laughs> if i hear anything come up you know but anyway i i think that's where it's really important in your 20s to work at differentiating and saying, this is who I am. My parents love me. So it's not like you're going to say, well, I'm never getting together with them again, right? They love me, but they're fallible. They make stupid comments sometimes, or they make thoughtless comments sometimes. And they they love me. They want the best for me. But I know that God has led me to date this person or to pursue the road of marriage. I'm going to do it in my time and my way. I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to listen to godly advice. But these snide little remarks are not helping. Now, if you're married, I believe that a spouse should always defend this other spouse. Mm. You know, so if a parent gets one spouse aside and starts the whole ragging on the spouse, there's a point in time to say, this is who I'm married to. I love my spouse through and through. And if you're going to be in my home, I need you to speak respectfully, you know, so that's okay. You know, my follow-up to that is probably leaning more towards parents. I'm aware of some of these situations. I've actually done some research on this. Um, So there's actually like support group for parents because I, I think there's some kids that have gone completely the other way, yeah. which is they throw the boundary down and I don't know what it's called, but basically it's a psychological phenomenon now that from like 20 to 30, I don't, I don't really want to see my parents. And these aren't like yeah. your situation. They're, they're very like. And that's, that's, I would say that's wrong. As a Christ follower, I don't think it's right to cut off mm. a, a family member. Um, there may be times where you put a little distance in if it's extremely abusive. However, we, we, we continue to love our parents even though they don't do everything right. Because here's the thing, you're going to have kids someday and you're not going to do everything right. So you're going to, you know, your kids are going to have to forgive you for how you messed up or for the stupid things you said as a parent from time to time, right? And we all do that. I mean, I wanted to be the perfect parent and you could ask my kids. I was not the perfect parent, you know, and they would be happy to tell you. But, But we love each other. We understand we're family. We're connected we're bonded and we're there for each other. And and so I think like when there's a 25-year-old or a 30-year-old who's saying, I don't want to ever be with my parents, I think that can come from arrogance and pride. You know, and the book of Proverbs tells us that the wise seek counsel. It doesn't mean you have to take everything somebody says, but you can listen to advice 
and just filter it. You know, I, I don't have problems when people give me advice. I think, hey, there's value to that or there's not value to that, just depending, you know, but I'm me and I'm able to listen to that and appreciate the perspective and I may choose something different and that's okay. I think the more you seek to grow and mature, both in a godly way and in an emotional way in your 20s, the better your relationship with your parents is mm. going to be. Mm. So how do you, let's, let's, uh, I want to look at this from two different angles for a second. So how do you, uh, let's say you, you, you are, you're a parent and you have younger children, mm-hmm. you know, what do you catch yourself saying that you want to, um, take back and how do you, how do you steer yourself away from making the same mistake over and over again that somehow shuts your child's voice off? Um, you're not, you don't want to, but something comes out and you do it. And it, how do you, how do you repair that? And on the second, so this is a follow-up question that I'm just going to throw both out here at the same time. Let's say you have adult children who have their own kids and then you see something happen. How are you as a parent of those adult children who have the kids trying to interact so that you're being helpful, but not, not shutting not shutting them down, keeping the the channels open and listening to each other. You know, what's how do things change in there? Mm. That's a really good question. So as far as with adult kids, you you really need to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> all the and, kids all the kids said amen right there. <laughs> and you know, I don't always do that well. Sometimes I find myself giving my kids advice and I can always tell when I do because the tone on the phone changes. You know, they don't want advice. They may want an offer for free babysitting. That's always good. <laughs> they they may want, you know, prayer. My kids know that I'm probably their most um, loyal prayer partner. I pray for all my kids, all my grandkids every day. And, but they don't want advice because they're figuring this out and they're not always going to do things like I did it. And that's okay. You know, and then if you mess up with your own kids, I mean, you have to learn the value of saying, I am so sorry. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And those words will repair relationships quicker than any other words I know. Because the bottom line is, you can set out to be a perfect parent. You are going to mess up. And when you do, you have to model apologizing and making amends. And then your home becomes a grace-filled place, Mm. you know, instead of a judgmental, legalistic place. I love that question. And I I think a theme that's kind of coming up is, um, and I'm going to say this controversial because I I want you to clarify. So like Christians have like a really hard time with the whole find yourself. Mm -hmm. But I think in hearing your story, you're saying if Becky would have went, if Becky would have went through counseling at 23, mm-hmm. there could have been vast differences. Yes. So it's almost on one hand, you're saying find yourself, but on the other hand, you're saying like, there's a reason to find yourself and grow to be better for other people. Am, am I hearing you right? Or how would you push back against you that? Know, <clears throat> There's there's a whole system of thought, find yourself, find yourself, find yourself. I would say you begin by finding God. Mm. 
And Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so Jesus, the closer we get to Jesus, the more he reveals the truth about who we are Mm. and the more we grow in self-awareness. We don't become self-actualized necessarily. We become aware, oh, I have these weaknesses, these strengths. Why is this a trigger for me? I need to deal with this. You know, if we don't deal with those things, they come out to bite us later. Right. So I would have been far more emotionally healthy had I gone for counseling in my 20s. At that point, I didn't know I needed it as Mm. badly as, you know, there's an there's a wake up call. And a lot of people say this happens in your 40s where all of a sudden you're like, oh, man, I got to deal with some stuff, you know, because there's some things happening here and I don't like the way I'm presenting, you know, and so you have to look at it. But Jesus always calls us to truth. And in his presence, there's absolute honesty. So it's like, no, like when you're really in that place of worship where you're in God's presence and he's like, no, we, we got to deal with this because you're, you know, acting out this way or you're really wanting control. I mean, control is a big thing for young parents, right? We think uh, we want control. You know, we want some semblance of order in our homes. And, you know, God is like, you know, you're not going to be in control. And I've had parents push back on that saying, no, I can control my kid. And my, my point is, no, you, no, you can't because inside they're them and you're you and they can obey and still be fighting you in their heart. Mm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I left you speechless. <laughs> no, that's good. We 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 hope for those moments. This uh this episode's been so rich. Um so we close with the same question every time. Okay. And um, you know, I I'm really glad so listeners, you're getting this for the first time because Becky's never done a a topic versus, you know, reversing the parents and the kids. So we always close with this question, what did Jesus have to say about this topic? So here's the good news about this. Um, Aaron and I go first and we answer it and mm-hmm. then you get to correct any psychological or heretical mess that we leave. <laughs> Does that sound good? Go. You're, you're probably won't correct you, but go. Well, <laughs> you know, you're like, I'm used to it. You know, anyways, so are, are you gonna go first or? Sure, yeah, I'm happy to. Yeah, no, I think, uh, I mean, I think it's a, I think this is an important topic, and I think um, Jesus wants us to have um, relationships, family relationships in particular, that are are healthy. And um, you mentioned grace-filled. You mentioned listening. I mean, I think all of those are important. Um, and seeking after that is is really really important. That doesn't mean that it's easy. There's Mm-mm. we're people and we're messy, and situations get messy even the most you know um even when there's not a a great evil done it's just some people just get on each other's nerves and don't listen and whatever the case is so um i think that you know the lord would want us to be pursuing uh grace-filled relationships listening relationships uh, speaking when the time is right but being attuned to when the time is right to speak and um so i think this is really important and uh especially as if this is dropping right around holiday time, I think it's all the more important. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we can choose when it drops. So yeah. we'll just there you go. be ready listeners. Um, so I'm, 
I might get in trouble with some theologians, but I'm just going to go there anyway. So Luke 2 records Jesus disobeying his parents. Mm -hmm. He stays, you know, with a group of teachers and this might be when you have to clean things up. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when I read his response to his parents, um, you know, and I've studied that passage, uh, I don't hear a self-entitled brat. Mm -mm. I hear a healthy someone who understands their purpose speaking the truth and love to mm. their parents. Yeah. Someone that feels called. And so I I think what I'm leaving with this conversation, I have a great relationship with my parents. It's not perfect, but love them to death. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I've i got two wonderful girls, which, you know, we're already investing in the counseling that they need. But I think what, what I'd say to, to the kids out there, to young adults, um, is Jesus just gives this beautiful model that when you're healthy, when you've received counseling, when you heal, you can deliver that hard message and you can, I don't want to say be above the mess, but live in such a way that this doesn't need to impact you in the way that it impacts other people by listening and becoming the person that God's called you to be. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, one of the most profound statements that Jesus said, and I have it circled in my Bible is be careful how you listen. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Um, be careful how you listen. And and so I think in our world, particularly today where it's very polarized, people tend to think um, they're, they're all black and white in their thinking. I'm not talking about race. I'm just talking about black and white being like, this is the way it is. It's, it's this way. I have the absolute right opinion and that everybody's wrong. But there's a whole lot of gray in between. And, and I think understanding that and learning to be careful how you listen, um, listening to your parents, understanding, hey, they're messy like you're messy. And all of us are um, hopefully growing to be more like Jesus. That's our prayer, you know, and, and it, it takes a while. Change and transformation, life transformation doesn't happen overnight. And so we continue on the journey and we just say continually, Jesus, I want to be more like you. So help me to listen so that other people feel loved. You know, David Augsburger said one of the most profound things to be to feel heard is so closely linked to feeling loved that for most people, the two are inseparable. Mm. So if your parents feel like you're not listening to them, they're not feeling loved by you. And if you go back to what Jesus said, you know, the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second is as important as the first, love your neighbor as yourself. And part of loving your neighbor is loving your parents, you know? So even though they did mess up, listening and loving them because you wanna be like Jesus. Wow. That was a great place to end. Becky, where can people find you? Hey, they can check out beckyharling.com. And I, I want to say, because we delved into young adults listening to their parents, I also want to recommend how to listen so people will talk, mm -hmm. as well as then if you are raising kids, how to listen so your kids will talk, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but they can check out beckyharling.com or harlingleadership.com. We have two websites. So I read the leadership book on listening. Yeah. My wife read the parenting book. And yes. We both loved them. So oh, highly recommend you. them. So yeah. 
You can find us at whygodwhypodcast.com. Make sure you click the subscribe button and you'll get an email every week with this fantastic episode and wonderful ones. And uh, we exist to respond to the questions you wish were answered in church. This is definitely one of them. Have a wonderful day.